Welcome to Dragon Talk. I am Greg Tito, and I am joined by my host, uh, Shelly Mazanoble. That's right. She's got <laughs> that high skirt on the intro. <laughs> wait, wait, you were doing the echo for your own uh, intro? I was trying to do that, like. It worked. It worked. Shelly. We're going to get Ryan. Mazinoble. He's going to add it in post. It'll be amazing. It'll be Make like, Shelly, Shelly, Shelly. Mazanoble, number five. <laughs> Second base. Uh, you would definitely be a second baseman, I think that's for no sure. Way. How you doing? What's going on? Just doing some work. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, making some games. Missing the dragon talk. I know, right? It's, it's been, been it's been about two or three weeks since you and I it's recorded been a long time. together. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. You were um, away. I was away. We got an awesome interview today. Uh, so later on, excited. after we do the segments and the announcements and stuff, we're going to talk to later these jokers. Later on, after these guys leave, uh, yeah. I, mean? I, I thought that's what you meant. <laughs> like later on, once these guys <laughs> are gone, we got a really great interview. Well, much better interview. Oh yeah, that interview. <laughs> we're going to talk to uh, Mike Merles and Chris Dupuy about uh, Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. Woo! Your game that we've been having to shill My this game, whole time. You guys. Yeah. My game. That's what I was told to say. <laughs> we've had to talk about it a lot. Uh, and now we get to fight. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come out into it's the world so like very weird. soon. I know. October 6th. Yep. Oh, my God. I know. It's going to happen. I know. Mike kind of forgot that he did this thing. I totally forgot that I worked in a board game. I was like, oh, this, we got free copies of our new game. Well, this, what, this is great. What is this? We're doing another this game. Like, oh, really, really here. Yeah. Yeah. oh gosh. Like so you're dealing with the same future past problem that we're yes. dealing with, too, except oh now yours, your scales are much longer. Yours are like at years. I had to make a spreadsheet this morning just to figure out what I need to put on my spreadsheet that tells me what I need to do. <laughs> and then you got to put that on your calendar yeah. to go over the spreadsheet that you did on the spreadsheet. Don't forget to transcribe it to your notebook, too. Oh, yeah. that's true. Yeah, and you then, don't use OneNote. And Come then on. pr- we'll print it to OneNote. That's what my computer. Whenever I hit print, it's like, do you want to print to OneNote? I'm like, computer. In the history of my working with you, which is now 18 months, I have never once intentionally printed anything to OneNote. I don't know what Yet that means. You always ask. I don't even know what it means either. It's just like it's a program. Like it'll my probably save it as a page on OneNote. My computer doesn't ask me anything. Well, that's your Macintosh for you there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Betrayal Baldur's Gate is, in fact, yes. coming out. It is a real product. Uh, yes. And it's coming out probably by the time you listen to this. It'll be out in stores and you can play it. And it'll be amazing. probably already played it and loved it. We've been playing it for years and years and years yes. here uh, uh, in concept. Feels like it. Feels like. It feels probably like. Crisp. In Chris's land. For sure. Um, but before we get to those things, we're uh, going to talk about some amazing things that are happening in the real world. Uh, Tomb of Annihilation is out. You can get it. It's everywhere. It's an amazing story that involves going to a lost city in uh, uh, the jungles of Chultz. You might die. You might come back to life. Probably many? not. Sorry. Part B. So excited. So excited. Flip the table. Flipping the table for Tomb of Annihilation. How many characters have died already? 17,442. <laughs> yeah. We have a count. Uh, uh, it's up there. It's on the Soulmonger chart. Uh, it just keeps oh, going it up. It just went up again. It just went up again. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's amazing. And uh, uh, we are about to start uh, uh, season two of what we're calling season two for uh, our Twitch programming here on the Twitch channel. Oh, and a whole exciting. bunch of new shows are going to be starting. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, including, uh, we're, we're going to eventually start with Mike Merle's Happy Fun Hour. I know, right? Yeah. What? I have my own little hour on the internet. Yeah. No way. It's right. Isn't it crazy? What is Mike Merle's Happy Fun Hour? You'll just have to find out, but it might be just uh, uh, him, you know, in like animated Perhaps. Emmy uh, chibi uh, things cool. going back and forth. That'd be great. Even I if it's just that, I think. That's probably, that's probably a case where like the virtual me is more appealing than the actual me. <laughs> like, how could I use 
this guy send this to meetings? Like, can it can it do stuff for me? Oh yeah, absolutely. It'll be like through your computer. You'll be like, hello, computer, uh, go to this meeting for me. I don't know why it's in <laughs> Russian. Why, why am I Russian? <laughs> what's, what's going on? It was Scottish, no, then it went to Russian. I'm, I'm really nervous. I'm a professionally trained <laughs> actor. Um, yeah, <laughs> but it's gonna be you, like painting minis or just no talking way. about design. Yeah. So, oh, so can I talk a little bit about the sure, concept? Sure. Why not? So one of the ideas is the. So the, I had this idea because I was reading about uh, Harlan Ellison, the science fiction author. Yeah. And uh, as in the '60s, I believe he he did a thing where he sat in a glass booth at a bookstore, I think in Berkeley, California. I might be getting the, the the place wrong. And he wrote a short story over the course of a day. So I thought it'd be kind of interesting. In a glass booth. Yeah. So people could watch. The idea was to demystify the, the craft of writing. So people could see like what is it? What like if you're writing a story, what does it actually look like? So the booth will be like right here. Yeah. No, it's gonna be right here. And so I'm gonna design something. We'll figure out. We'll get my my word doc up on the screen, and we'll like you know people oh, can no watch, way. and we're gonna make stuff. I'm going to make stuff and we're going to talk about like what the thinking behind it and chat will get involved and we'll probably do some like pre-planning like what it is people that people want to tackle and plus my extra life milestones you if you give enough money to extra life might be able to get a custom made subclass or race playable in Adventures League designed what? by me what? yes I'm going to do that you got you got the the the, the cash to pay. I don't you know, know how much really charge cool. yet. Yeah, We're gonna figure that out. You know what's really cool yeah. is you put a really s- low threshold. So all you have to do is donate a dollar, and you'll make a custom for subclass yeah, for it. So I'm like a thousand. <laughs> you have all so your content for the whole season. But hey, if anyone exactly, in, if right? anyone in chat has any ideas how much they pay, how much they uh, contribute to extra life for that, go ahead and hit that it's that value up. Because I have no idea how much. Like I don't want to go too low because then we're not getting the most money for kids. Yeah. But I don't want to go too high because then no one will get it. Then I'll feel really sad. I'm like, oh man, no one likes. No one likes my design work. So uh, sound oh. off in chat what you guys think, and we'll go back through and uh, uh, see, because I think that's, yeah. that's a hard balance to, to yeah. strike. That's really cute. And so then we can all see you yell at your computer when it asks you questions. <laughs> when it asks you questions. Are you around to print us to run? Do you want to print a one note? Of course you do. Like, no, we don't. I wish it asked me about an ice cream. It's just say, of course. It was kind of a combination. That was a new voice. C3B I like that. C three B Bert. So cool. Well, and maybe we'll even think about putting that in uh, in audio form too, just so people can hear you talk about uh, uh, what you're making we're as like well. Happy little trees. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, Bob, the Bob Ross of role playing yeah, design. That's like so that. cool. I like that. That's gonna be fun. Um, and then speaking of people in, in audio form, we've been doing uh, uh, this thing. Those of you who are listening to this uh, in podcast form, uh, you probably like listening to other adventures uh, in audio form. And then we partnered with a whole bunch of other creators. Uh, for the podcast of Annihilation. Uh, It's coming out this week, the week we're recording this, Uh, but if you want to check it out, it's on the Dungeon Delve uh, RSS feed. It's different than our Dragon Talk feed. It's called Dungeon Delve. It's on iTunes right now. We're working to get it in other places. Um, And uh, people like Nerd Poker, who's Brian Pusain, and all these comedians from uh, from L.A., they did uh, uh, an awesome little sidetrack in Tomb of Annihilation, uh, as well as talking about, like, Brian writing jokes for Bobcat Goldway opening for uh, I believe it was uh, Scorpions I feel like nice. yeah what? insane wow. little they, they they definitely diverge so it's not just like pure D and D they like they're like a real group of friends who just starts talking every once in a while very good stuff uh, taking initiative encounter role play dungeon rats sneak attack drunks and dragons venture maidens dragon drunks there's a lot of drinking oh. and and playing Dungeons and Dragons D and D's for nerds and you meet in D&D's a tavern. For nerds. Yeah, exactly. So uh, lots of uh, uh, great creators. They, they, I've been listening to their episodes. They're really entertaining. And they're all different tangents through the jungles of Chult, too. So check those out uh, on the Dungeon Delve feed. Uh, and again, they're coming out uh, this week, the week we're recording this right now. So good stuff. 
Um, Lost Champions, Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms is out in early access right now on Steam. Yep. That's right, Chris. Did I do it right? That's right. Okay, good. Like, <laughs> we want to make sure we're talking about Yes, it's out there. It's amazing. Uh, people have already lost uh, uh, thousands of hours of time into playing it. Uh, uh, it's good <laughs> stuff. Uh, you send your, your party out on adventures, and they kill monsters and collect loot in real time. So it's kind of, you can you can play for a couple of minutes and get it all set up and optimized and then let it run all night long, and you go lose. check it back in, and uh, you'll get all the loot, and then you can level them up and get them better, change up your party and make it happen. So it's tons of fun. We have another idea for Twitch programming, which is having a, 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 a Ben... Ben Petrosaur set it up at night, nemesis. like do like a do like yes, your nemesis uh, uh, <laughs> as he, when he played the Ottomans in your diplomacy game. Uh, but set it up at night and then just let it run all evening long and let you uh, fun Twitch folk be able to maybe do some leveling up, do some interactions with it, and then he'll come back in and uh, and collect all the loots oh, uh, after it so happens. Ben. Cool. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. come in at the end and just take everything. That that is pretty much Ben. <laughs> so bad. It's true. Still, huh? Yeah. Still, Still raw. <laughs> My favorite part about that is that we all told you he was going to do it, and you listened to him anyway, and he did it, and then you listened to him a second time. I know. You're like, no, I trust him this time. Truthfully, I hate myself, <laughs> but I'm projecting it onto Ben. Well, so, uh, hopefully soon our Twitch audience can now hate him as well. <laughs> That's all we're looking for uh, with this, this, this hot content. He's sitting in his office watching this going, oh. Yeah. No, he's not. He's like, yes. We're going to yes. get into uh, talking more about uh, a board game, obviously, but uh, another D&D board game, which you may have heard of, is called Lords of Waterdeep. Uh, and it just recently got a, uh, a play deck did an amazing port of it into Steam. Uh, you can play, even if you play on iOS or Android, you can still play on the same uh, group using your play deck account. I've been playing it all weekend. Or actually, odds I've been traveling, it's been like my travel game because it's the best thing to do. Like on an airplane, it's low impact. If you have a, a smaller laptop, I think it's only like 300 megs uh, to download and install. Also, it's a great little way to get into playing some 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 board game action, and yeah. you're getting all that sweet water deep lore at the same time. Yeah, we should set up a game. I was playing with uh, Cernat all weekend. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The new version uh, came out on uh, iOS and Android two weeks ago. It's got cross-platform play, so right. if you've already got it on iOS and someone gets it on uh, PC, they can play with you. And uh, it's also introducing chat, so you can talk back and forth while you're playing. Oh right, that's good stuff too, yeah. and uh, uh, you know it has all the it has the scoundrels of Skullport uh, expansion content in there, and you can just like you can in the in the in the game, you can select which ones you want to play. Whether you want to do this expansion or that expansion, or both, uh, or play with up to six people. So that's it's good it's good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> um, we, I actually have some codes to give away at some point, but I won't. I don't have them prepared right now, and I meant to. Uh, so when we when we show this next week, definitely want to have some codes out there for you guys to be able to play. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I know, right? I mean, can we give away codes now and, like, send them later, or do we have to do it in Twitch chat? Probably. I mean, again, because I'm not prepared. Mm. Dang no, it. Don't talk about it. Just blame me, guys. Just blame. Uh, I, I will take your blame. blame. Tito. Yeah, Tito. no, I'm a terrible person. Uh, we mentioned Extra Life already, uh, but we are going to be doing a whole bunch of uh, games on November 3rd is where it's going to start at Game Hole Con in Wisconsin. You're going to play in that game, aren't you? I'm running a game. <laughs> nice. I'm running a game. It's going to be very fun. Is it going to be totally? <sighs> <laughs> Why did you have to Is bring it? Is it going to be Coadley? Coadley, definitely. Coadley? Make Coadley's a playable race. Is Coadle voice? I'm a Coadley. <laughs> How you doing? I'm a Coadley. That sounds very much like Mr. Handy, the Christmas crew. <laughs> So uh, might be inspired by yeah, Mr. Handy. I see. I can see this. I can see this making why, this happen. But why are you going to bring up turtles? Because they're cool, man. Turtles. People like turtles. What? Teenage no, Mutant Ninja no. Turtle. Yeah. Though I will say, I'm. 
you know, I'm not the biggest Tortle fan, as in I'm the, list, the least Tortle fan. But we have sold a bunch of copies of the Tortle package benefiting Extra Life. So totally opposed to Tortles, but it's like, well, it's going to help kids. Like, uh, if you're going to help kids, I guess I can oh, let this happen. I guess I can throw together a whole package yeah. with an adventure and, and awesome stuff. Perkins just went ahead and did it and <laughs> working with the guys. <laughs> and uh, This is the problem of, like, you know, having super awesome people working on your team. Like, they just do amazing stuff, and you just, like, wake yeah, up for your nap you. and are like... Good job, guys. And then you'd go back to sleep. But then you got Tortles in your game. And then, like, yeah. you all of a sudden... And Adventurers League ready Tortles. Yep. Yeah, you can play those Tortles no matter where you want. Yeah, well, anywhere. Got, I, was, uh, I was working with one of our digital game partners, and they emailed me, and they're like, hey, we need to make a Tortle champion. And I'm like, wait, what? No, we're not. That's no, we're not doing tortles. That's not tortles official. Are like, wait, but look at this website, yeah. all about extra life tortles. And I'm like, oh, it's okay, official. yeah, go ahead. It's in there. Nice. Yeah. Are you are you pro tortle or or, or, oh, or anti tortle? No, I'm pro tortle. Nice. All the sorts of weird quirky stuff. I'm totally pro. Nice. So, Mike, I think you're yeah, sorry, bro. The very scientific polls that we ran seem to outnumber. It's tortle just, fans outnumber you uh, two to one. I don't trust anything that carries its house on its back. Because <laughs> I'm like, what do you got to hide in there? It's a little suspicious. Like Nothing. his body or their body, <laughs> its body? I Something, I don't know. Contraband. <laughs> they're just wanderers, man. Probably. They're not going to be tied down. They're, they're slow. They just move around. I don't know, man. Just, I, don't, I don't trust them. I well, I well. saw, by the way, the biggest snails I've ever seen in my life yesterday. It was like, we haven't had rain in 392 days or something. And like, the snails just got really big in that time. They came out. Crazy. Was it a flail snail? They were like this big. Whoa. Big. Like this big. But, but it's raining now. It's wonderful. The rain started. Someone flipped the switch. My grass is just drinking it up. Yeah. yeah. Give it to me. And the snails. Um, so that's awesome. You can go check that all out at uh, uh, our Extra Life page. I Again, talk all about my game. many of the proceeds go to uh, the uh, uh, Extra Life if you uh, purchase that. And then once we get up to a certain threshold, we'll be giving out uh, previews to Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Uh, so even if you're not interested in Tortles, if you contribute to that, you'll be getting more and more information uh, out before Xanathar's comes out, which is November 10th in game stores and uh, November 21st, I believe, wide. Uh, but in game stores, you can get the uh, the amazing alternate cover designed by Hydro 74, which is pretty cool. Oh, and I keep so good. forgetting to bring that. I have the the, the, yeah, the image of that to, to, to pimp. Much action today. I know, right? I, just, I am just coming back from, you know, 10 days out of the office. I'm sorry, you guys. I can't do everything at once. I'm trying. Did you bring us back My Little Pony dice? No, Trevor did. <laughs> yeah, I've been chasing him really? all day long. Oh, he's got them somewhere. He said he's got like hundreds of them for you. Yeah, I'll no. get though. Yeah, I know, right? I did too. And now I'm like I'm screwed. Uh so uh do we talk about Tales from Candlekeep too? Let's throw that out there real yeah. quick before we get into the segment in the Bing Bongs. Uh Tales from Candlekeep is uh made from our friends uh BCOM. They're taking the uh, adventure system game, uh so like Castle Ravenloft and Legends of Drist, uh but they're uh, our friends WizKids are making the physical uh, version of that uh, board game. Becom is making the digital version. That'll be out in uh, October, uh, and that looks really exciting. They've been doing a lot of great stuff on their Twitch channel. I think they just did like a, a demo on their Twitch channel, and they were at Providence at Hascon too. Uh, and I kept pointing people over there, like, "Oh yeah, I know, I already saw it. It's awesome." Uh, so I can't wait for uh, more people to start checking it out. Um, if you want to follow them, they're at Tales Candlekeep. Uh, one word. Tales Candlekeep uh, on the Twitters, and uh, they'll be doing updates uh, as we go forward, and uh, maybe they'll do more stuff on here on Twitch, and we'll be hosting that and or playing it for Whoa. you guys. Yeah. Should be lots of fun. It's a lot of fun. Seeing the tiles like slam into place, it's just, it's really, really cool. Speaking of tiles and board games that have them. Let's go to a segment. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's ben, like that's the, the, the death stare has been going like for the past five minutes. That's the, like, that's it. The oh. best segue, like uh, oh, uh, instigator here. Yeah, sorry, we're out of time. <laughs> I guess we'll, we won't be able to talk about betrayal of all these guys. Uh, but we will throw it to a lore you should know segment right about now and then come back uh, with some of the stuff. So we'll bang, we'll bong, things will be happening. Welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know. Uh, my name is Greg Tito, and I'm joined by these wonderful lore masters. Howdy, I'm Matt Sergeant. Hi, Matt. And I'm Chris Perkins. Hello. Uh, and today we are going to talk about uh, little bits and bobs of, of, of D&D lore that you can put into your game. And today it's... Uh, dwarves in the Cholton Peninsula. Dwarves in spe- No. <laughs> <laughs> in Cholt! Uh, so, yeah, they, they, they're there. But they're a different breed of dwarf or a different kind of dwarf than, than we've seen before. Yes and kind of no. Yes yeah, and kind of no. Yes and kind of no is a good... Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good way to hit, say it. Uh, the, the way that they got there is kind of wibbly-wobbly in the lore. <laughs> and then, like, what they are once they're there is also wibbly-wobbly in nice. the lore. There's lots of uh, sort of additions and changes and so on that are made over time mm-hmm. to, the, to the sort of lore of what dwarves are in Chult. And so... In well, the beginning. <laughs> yes. When did, where did it start? All the way in the before times. So, so in, in sort of like real world timeline style, yeah. um, at some point, I don't know, like 30,000 years, some, some super long time ago, um, dwarves came to Chult. And uh, then... Because there were mountains there. They, yeah, because they, whatever, dwarves oh. like mountains. Yeah. They, sure. Right. And was the climate the same? Was it still like yeah, rainforesty? It was, yeah. it was yeah. a crazy jungle. Yeah. Uh, was this pro- progenitor race like uh, time, yeah. or is this after no, that? After. After. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's like a dwarven diaspora from sort of the south outward north and to different places all over the the world because um, the dwarves uh, actually uh, I think they they like uh, elves and orcs come from another planet mm. or realm or something and they arrive and they have this diaspora from this kingdom that falls and so uh, some of them make it out all the way over to Chult and somehow some of them end up just sort of becoming what it was called wild dwarves and then I think it's a later group that comes in and uh, becomes the dwarves that are occupying the mountains and those are not wild dwarves. Mm. But what wild dwarf means changes even within second edition. So oh. it gets kind of weird and funky. So the original Jungles of Chult, for instance, doesn't mention uh, anything about Thardhar, who is the later on described as the deity of the wild dwarves. And it's sort of this weird deity, of, dwarven deity of jungles and hunting. Mm. Um, and Do the, in a time when there were deities for everything. Yeah. Uh, there, you know. Yeah. And and so th- then it's so like then th- that sort of introduced that character and then like the the wild dwarves in Ch- in the jungles of Chult original module are um, kind of dark skinned, just dwarves living in the jungle, um, and then in that the book where they're described with uh, Thardhar they're like hairy like they've got like hair on their arms and mm. you know they're more so than like normal dwarves. weird yeti looking things oh yeah it, it gets very strange. Hmm. Um, and it just kind of goes all over the place a little bit. And so I think with, with this oh, Tomb of Annihilation, we try to kind of coalesce things a little bit better than that. But yeah. Okay. We also, we didn't want to create new subtypes of dwarves. Mm. Um, so we kind of established or decided that they're 
mechanically identical to shield dwarves. Um, they're just cosmetically different because of the land that they live in and the, the turmoil that they've gone through living in Chult with its volcanoes and uh, generally unstable topography. <laughs> Particularly if you take into account the spell plague where Chult was basically an island for a time. And completely um, separated from the rest of the, yeah. not just in that, but nobody went there, really. But basically we say, you know, there are dwarves living on Chult. They've lived there a long time. Many of them have been driven out from the mountains because of the volcanic activity and basically tried to eke out a living elsewhere. Mm. Um, Did they, so were there two different, like, tribes? Were they, like, the mountain dwarves were, were in the highlands and then the wild dwarves were in the lowlands? Or is that I think unclear? Our, I think our understanding now is more like there's a group of dwarves, a population of dwarves in yeah. Chult. Mm. And um, if they are sort of moved outward um, from the mountains, they, they adopt sort of a, a wild lifestyle. Yeah. Those who have been forced to live on the surface have adjusted to their terrain as best they can. Right. I mean, they are living in a, a crazy dinosaur zombie apocalypse. Yeah, right. <laughs> so so there, aren't a, there aren't a ton of them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Most of them got et. <laughs> and the ones that didn't right. uh, passed on their genes to others. Yes. So that's why they have uh, these strange features. And speech, speaking of strange features and genes, uh, there is an anomalous group of dwarves living among them who are albinos. Um, they are, it's just sort of a weird... Yeah. Deviation, further deviation. So that was described in, in the original Genicles of Chult uh, module where the ones living in the mountains for reasons unexplained yeah. were albinos. Just, just just to make it different from yeah. just yeah. dwarves from the continent. Yeah, and, and I think the idea was it was because they were living underground all the time, which is kind but, of like, well, yeah. <laughs> but dwarves. Then why aren't all dwarves albinos? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it you're shattering my worldview of what dwarves are. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, it, it, there were sort of weird, questionable uh, world building as you go throughout the whole mm -hmm. thing. And we kind of tried to take the best bits and the most interesting ideas. Yeah. And, you know, it's very visually striking to have kind of these strange albino dwarves. Um, and so that's kind of one of the things we wanted to present with this yeah. this product. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that there was a pop it, within the population there's many albino, more than would be normal uh, uh, in the population of, of all dwarves. Are they separate or are they, you know, it does... They commingle. They commingle? Yeah. There's no, there's no reason to suggest there's any uh, barrier or wall between albino dwarves and other dwarves who live in the area. In fact, um, one of the guides that you can pick up in Port Nyanzaro is an albino dwarf and he just lives there with other dwarves. He's kind of just, yeah, I'm, I'm weird. Do they have any like specific uh, status or, or power to them in the in the legends? No, no, no there really isn't anything. Um, it's it's just a, a physical difference. Yeah. What yeah. Uh, what about the the uh, the deity that you mentioned? Uh, Thardhar. What, what is he? What is he like? <laughs> so so Thardhar um, in earlier editions really was just like the god of the wild dwarves, and he likes jungles and hunting, uh, and it, he's. Totally unlike every other dwarf deity, because he's just <laughs> jungles and hunting. Um, so we, I don't think we really touch him in uh, in the new adventure. No. Uh, but I think in, if we were to present him again in the future, it makes sense for there to be a god among the dwarven pantheon of sort of wildernesses and of hunting. Dwarves sometimes need to hunt; they need to go out into the wilderness. Yeah, and for this figure to be someone named Thardhar, and then for characters who are out in the wilderness and hunting all the time. 
to worship this one in peculiar. Um, I want him to appear as a giant walking stony Tyrannosaurus Rex so it can have all these dwarves <laughs> hanging off it. <laughs> Just we sort of riding you. on its back. We We're on a hunt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Isn't this the greatest? We're on our own deity. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that, that's probably how we present it in the future. Okay. Is he albino He'd or is 80 he... feet tall. Um, is he albino? No. Well, he wouldn't be Pro- much no. of a dwarf. No, then, would he? no. Like, I, I think his I think holy symbol is actually like clawed gauntlets or something like that. Um, so, like, there is sort of an element of or an idea of sort of savagery uh, to the deity, but it's yeah. it's one of those ones that didn't get a whole lot Gauntleted of attention. Tyrannosaurus hands. <laughs> <laughs> They're very tiny. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we venerate him uh, as we do. Nice. Because yeah, uh, there's like. Um, oh gosh, I was just working on it today because there, there's there's got to be probably um, almost a, a couple dozen uh, dwarven deities that have rattled around in the game, but we really only ever talk about a, f- a handful of them, and Thardhar isn't in that handful. <laughs> he hasn't really had a whole lot Weird of Weird outlier. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. But uh, uh, so if, uh, you know, obviously dwarves are a pretty popular player race uh, for people if they want to uh, play uh, through Tomb of Annihilation, would it make sense for one of the player characters to to adopt some of these qualities? They could. They could say that they're mechanically they're a shield dwarf, but visually they're albino, and then they'd be pretty much an albino dwarf at that point. Yeah, comfortable with uh, with with being outside and doing all the hunting and things that uh, that would do that. They're they just like any other dwarf. They're highly adaptable, um, patient, best best with their feet on the ground. Yeah, and I mean, there are certainly backgrounds that you could choose to sort of take up the role of being um, uh, like the outlander and things like that. Thing, yeah. yeah, the far right, wanderer. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so the, in temperament, they're not much different than the no, normal they're, dwarves. They're dwarfy temperament. Okay. Yeah, they like all the things dwarves do. So they're not as bestial as as, as the clawed gauntlets no, kind no, of. No, they're no. Yeah, they're, the weird yeti dwarves. The no. <laughs> <laughs> So that we'll was say just that when we, we do the dwarves of the north. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know why the dwarves got hairier in a, in a hot environment. Yeah, that's like. that's so bizarre. <laughs> right. If they get hairier anywhere, it'd be up in the Great Glacier. It's to protect from the bugs, right? They need to have. Uh, oh, right. uh, okay. Yeah. To, to, uh, yeah. You can I, see that. I could, I could buy that. Yeah. If especially if the if the hair somehow captured like air molecules or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kept it apart from them. That's right. Right. That's how they float. That's, that's what I was thinking. That's how they cross the rivers. <laughs> the, <laughs> that's a cushion of air. Beard balloon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I'm growing the beard out. Yeah, that makes perfect yeah. sense. Um, so See, that's world building. Right that is there. right. Uh, and it's, yes. it's happening right here. <laughs> beard balloons around the table. <laughs> <laughs> beard balloons. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that that seems like a, a, a pretty good uh, overview of what uh, what dwarves are like there. Um, you know, I, I think it's it doesn't seem like the kind of place dwarves would would end up. Do there, are there any like special minerals or things that they could get there that they can't yeah. get anywhere else? Is that well, one of the reasons why um, people like going to Chult and stuff like that is that they do have ver- very rich gem mines and yeah. metal mines yeah. in the mountains of of the sort of volcanic mountains of Chult, and so. Uh, that's one of the things that people come there to get, to trade for, and so on and so forth. And uh, the dwarves that are or were in the mountains, depending upon what time period we're in, uh, are the ones who basically controlled that um, sort of mining and, yeah. and the sale of those things to the outside world. And in, tomb, in Tomb of Annihilation, that's still true. And in the adventure, you can actually help the dwarves recapture a mine and a forge that they lost. Mm. So they lost a mine called Wormheart Mine, 
um, uh, there's a, a big threat there now. And then they also lost the near the adjoining forge, and they'd like to get that back. So you can actually help them. That makes sense. Yeah. Are there are, is 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 are there lots of mines like that? Kind of all They're scattered throughout? all over the place. Yeah. yeah. There okay. are lots of places on the map of Chult where you see sort of the mining symbol indicating where a mine is, but we don't dis- describe it in detail. And nine times out of the ten, that's a that's a dwarven. It, it probably is or has dwarven overseers. Got it. Makes sense. All right. So I, I, that's good to know because I think in us talking about it, I just assumed they were like eking out survival as much as possible. But no, they were actually doing the industry. And, yeah. well, and, and Chult and is mining. such a huge place. There are some mines and enclaves that have doubtless just been destroyed by the volcanic eruptions. There's more volcanoes in Chult now than there ever were. Wow. We, we added a few um, to indicate the volatility of the land and to suggest that not everything is ended up just perfectly the same after the spell plague. Yeah, and I think that um, the a lot of the dwarven populations would just be happy to be insular and, and mm-hmm. mind stuff themselves and not trade with the outside world. Yeah. And so, you know, whoever is sort of getting these gems out of Chult um, mm-hmm. has some sort of secret connection. And how they get them out from the dwarves, who knows, right? Because it's pretty much a trackless jungle, right? Yeah, so right. the dwarves probably have some secret means of getting closer to them and they probably have some secret, yeah. you know, drop off point or pick up point. You the know? two forces most likely to collide with the dwarves over issues of like custody of gemstones and mines would be Baldur's Gate and the Flaming Fist mm-hmm. who have a base out of Fort Belloarian and have this habit of basically laying claim to whatever they happen upon. Um, and then the other is possibly the Zentarim because the merchant princes of Port Nyanzaru use the Zentarum to create, um, rely on Zentarum mercenaries to create or open up safe pathways to some of the nearest mines to the city where they can get access to resources at minimal cost to them mm. in terms of, you know, life and... <laughs> not, their, not, not their agents dying. <laughs> right, yes, other, exactly. other dwarves, that's fine. Yeah. And the Zentarum are more than happy to try to carve out these um, passes to the mines not an easy thing to do. Yeah. So get a job with the Zentarum. <laughs> It'll <Yeah>. be short. <laughs> You'll be well paid for the three months that you live. Yeah. They don't call it the black network or something. Yeah, it's yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a nice, the nice network. We got lots yeah. of good, we got some benefits. Uh, what about any connections to the Duergar or with the Underdark in general? Is that... Some people have asked in the past about what the connection to the Dwarves of Chult is to the Underdark. Uh, I assume, although we don't detail it in any great way, that there is, quote-unquote, Underdark under Chult. Mm-hmm. And so one could imagine... Dinosaurs in caves! Dinosaurs in caves and deep underground conflicts between the Dwarves of Chult and Duragar underneath them. Yeah, um, it sounds like that's what the, uh, the, the the secret way out that, that Matt was alluding to could be through there, and it might some be... Some sort of underdark connection, mm-hmm. yeah. It's possible. Um, I, I mean, I have a vague recollection that, they're, that like, they are um, sort of immune from that kind of incursion of, like, drow and stuff like that, being that they are in Chult, but that is just totally vague. I'm not, not certain that's the yeah. case. Mm. Just Loth just doesn't like uh, well, the jungles, so... Just that, that they, kind of thing? they, um, I mean, one of the reasons that they're out there is because they're somewhat protected from that kind yeah. of thing. But that might be crap. That might be garbage. So oh. just, you know. But that's a neat idea, though. Because, right, yeah, the Underdark map, if I remember, the overlay is very, very much in the Sword Coast in the northern area, but not so much in Schultz, so. Well, 
the yeah. settled areas of the I mean, Underdark. The known areas. areas. Yeah. <laughs> the maps that we have of the Underdark regions and so on have all been sort of up in that area. There, there are known to be other areas that have the Underdark, of course, but um, we, you know, we don't really have a whole lot of maps of Underdark areas because right, right. they're really hard to map. Well, I mean, <laughs> that goes in with the themes of Schultz, too, of like, oh, here's an unmapped region of the Underdark. You know, I could yeah. see someone... I mean, Schultz is such a fabulous place to explore just on its own. We've never felt the need to develop an Underdark below it. Hmm. It makes sense. Yeah. But Dungeon Masters out there, you might want to. Yes, you might, particularly if you want to go find that uh, doorway under the peaks of flame that leads to the nightmare realm of Dendar the Night Serpent. Oh, yeah, there is that. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> we <laughs> talked about that, that in some other segments. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't go there. In general. Yeah. You know. Don't do what Johnny Yonti does. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Yonti. <laughs> I could just see the like propaganda posters up in, right. in Port Nyanzaru. Don't be Johnny Yonti. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's a good ending point. Uh, thank you guys uh, for uh, letting us know about what's going on with the dwarves in Schultz. And uh, got lots of threads there. I want to start running, you know, out of the abyss and Tomb of Annihilation at the same time. I think that's what I'm going to do. I found it. It's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll be back next week. Um, that was a really interesting uh, lore segment. Didn't you guys think that? Did you listen yep. to that in real time? Yes. You know, I have to say it had it had its ups and it had its downs, but I think overall it had far more ups and downs. I think I give it three and a half out of four stars. Wow, that's pretty good. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, we're just gonna keep trying. Um, you know, we can score more runs than the team. And, he doesn't. Uh, I think we'll, he doesn't we'll give four stars ever. <laughs> ever. I'm very, very. I give everything three and a half stars. So I'm always like almost being super approval of everything, but nothing gets. Four. Makes you think like you could get that fourth star yeah. one yeah. day. What about your daughter? Does she get three and a half stars too? She gets all the stars. Hello. <laughs> she, will, she will take all the stars. She That's is, right. Yeah. There is no choice there. All the experience points. Um, so we are here uh, to talk about Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. Are guys, we? Yeah, that's right. Finally. And uh, uh, Shelly is very excited and insistent uh, for this. She actually booked this segment all on her own. So I'll let I know. you. I'll let it's you. It's like adri- the very first time I've ever. You introduced these these, these fine I did gentlemen an in case. What? So they can see. You should tip the game up so they can see. Well, the I didn't want to block you guys. Didn't block anyone. It's gonna be fine. Oh, oh my god! All the pieces, pieces just fell. Did you hear? <laughs> did you hear how there's a lot of content in this box? So there's a, this little board game. It's coming out October sixth. I love this game. I think this is the best game we've ever done. I'm serious. I, I agree. I don't. People always ask, "How did this happen? Oh What's the God. idea behind? Like, where did you guys decide this?" And all I seriously <laughs> remember is like a hallway drive by. What do you think about a betrayal D and D? And then next thing I know, we're we're in meetings. So do you know how? how I don't. This is literally how it no. happened. No. What's I was the story? In a meeting with in Nathan's office with Liz and Nathan. Bad things happen. And, and someone said, like, well, you know, w- what should we do next with the betrayal? And I think I was, like, doing the, like, the, the lazy leaning way back in my chair. And I looked over the shelf, and he had a copy of uh, Betrayal on yeah. the shelf. And then there was the, um, the Baldur's Gate um, role-playing game book we did, Murder in Baldur's Gate, yes. like, next to it. So <laughs> why don't we just do Betrayal at Baldur's Gate? <laughs> this this is this is how you make the big money as a creative professional, folks. Right? You, you look, look at two at things shelf. and just <laughs> stick them together, and you do that often enough, and someone will say, "Good job, let's do that." Chocolate and the peanut Who butter. Who came up with this crazy <laughs> idea? Oh, that's it. Yeah, yes, that's how it happens. And I think that 
they go very well together. No, and then it, and you know it's one of the things where I mean obviously it makes sense. We don't literally just jam two things together and hope for the best. But it was just one of those things where it was We're just kind of fortuitous, there. like just looking at the shelf, going, hmm, "Oh yeah, that would totally it's make the sense." Universe yeah. was speaking to you. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I am but a vessel for the word of the you universe. Were. The gaming gods spoke through me. Right. That was curves. it. So. So. But but it is a natural match, you know. It felt like as soon as you sort of see it and put it together, like oh yeah, that, why haven't we done this? Why didn't we do this three years ago? That was you know the kind of feeling, right? Why didn't we? Well, you were working on a, a widow's walk. I mean, that was a big part of it too. Is that we betrayal at uh, House on the Hill was an older game that had been yep, in print and been doing really well. Uh, but we weren't sure, hey, new content in that vein, whether it would uh, uh, land as well as it did. Uh, and obviously, your hard work on making it happen uh, with Widow's Walk, I think, was a big part of that. I think people were really excited to get more content yeah, for it, too. Exactly. So we, that kind of was a proof point for us that people want to see more with this game. That's so right. we will give the people what they want. Yeah. All so the what I really love about this, too, is that we got you to be the designer on it. Yes, well, one of the designers, yeah. Of, but, and then Chris to be the developer on it. He's yeah. probably still having PTSD. Is it okay? <laughs> Are you okay to talk I, about I'm this? I'm getting better now. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, you, you have your therapist on speed dial? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so while we're like, oh my gosh, this is a totally seamless mashup. The games just go so well together. Great job writing all those cards. Chris yeah. is like, oh my God. Because <laughs> you're, missing the, you're missing the meeting right after that meeting where Merle's came over and was like, hey, we're going to make uh, Betrayal of Baldur's Gate. We're just going to mash them together. I'm like, oh, uh, oh, oh, when, wait, when are we going to do that? Like, oh, oh, yeah. oh, no. It's like, I just need like 50 haunts. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, get that done and, uh, and yeah, right, have fun. Yeah, Christmas break is in two weeks. Let's uh, let's bang it out. Bang this it out. Is, but this game is a beast of a game to design from what I'm learning more about, like listening to game designers talk, but knowing more about this game mechanic is that it's not just, you are designing 50 which are like 50 games, yeah. essentially, within yeah. the game. And they have to be balanced and playable between four or three players up to six players. Mm-hmm. So like, while like a, a haunt worked really well for three people, we found it broke when there was like the fifth person in there. And then yeah. oh, back to the drawing board. So yeah, there is a tremendous amount of development that had to go into this. Plus then you throw in the, the tiles, and there's things that will happen on tiles that impact your game and all of the different cards and... It was just, oh, I didn't envy you at all. I really tried to. She was just fanning me most of the time. She's like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. That's kind of my job. I mean, I'm a little bit more into this now that I've been here, but as a fan, I don't think I realized the difference between a designer and a developer. Do you guys want to? I didn't either. Do you guys want to talk about that role? Oh, wow. You've just opened a can of worms. We're not going to talk about the game anymore. No. I I have very strong thoughts about this, and I'm curious. I'm going to lay out my position. I'm curious to hear your view on it. I think developers actually. I don't like that term. Oh, okay. I think it's actually the different phases of game design. Okay. And if you remember way back, way back, journey with me to the misty days of the late 70s, early 80s. Here we are. A little Cambridge mass I've firm got, called oh, in, uh, are getting bigger. I got Infocom on. made games like Zork oh, and yeah. Deadline and games like that, text-based games. Yeah. And they called their designers implementers. And I always liked that term because that's mm-hmm. why I thought of a developer as, as the implementer of the game, that the designer comes up with a concept, hey, here's something that would be fun to do. And then the implementer says, how do I actually let you do that? And I think they're actually two very distinct skill sets. Yeah. And so to me, it's not developing the idea the game designer had. It's like implementing it. It's saying, look, I need to like think of all, everything that could go wrong to make this not fun. 
and make sure that doesn't happen yeah. and make sure that the fun stuff happens and then make sure that the, the, the designers, designers' ideas and concepts are actually fun. Yeah. And to me, implementer just actually hits like you're a game implementer. You make the game happen. Like developer, it's developer just always sounds to me like the designer made the game and the developer just kind of polished it up a bit. And I think that totally misses what's actually happening. Yeah, I think that's why uh, internally in the building we've done a lot uh, about like talking about initial design versus final design because yeah. that designer term uh, is so synonymous with like the owner of the game but yeah. really it's not only a team effort both from design and development but yeah you're absolutely right with the idea of implementing the process because the designer comes through and, and throws an idea down and it's like hey this is going to be really great and you're like well but it could break here 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 and here and here and here and, and over <laughs> and here too throw in these yeah. cards right and yeah these characters and it's funny uh, because a lot of collaborative art has that same problem, right? Where, like, the director of a, of a film often gets this auteur, like, oh, I did everything because yeah, I was directing right, where, this film. Where would you be without the editor? Or the producer yeah, exactly. or, or, or you know, the yeah. person. I mean, the producer is kind of the implementer role, really, where they, like, take the, the, the vision of the, you know, the original vision and then, like, how do we actually make it happen? Or even, you know, in theater, it's stage management is not just, oh, I'm managing the stage to make sure things happen. It's like, you know, obviously every process is different, but many stage managers are basically co-creators with the director. They're just, okay, that's your idea. Now, how do we make it actually happen on stage so that people don't die or like, you know, yeah. so that you're actually, your, your idea gets realized, right? And some yeah. some of the best creators, like I worked with one guy, uh, Bill Irwin, who was a, a, a clown uh, kind of actor and did a lot of things like that, and he he worked that with was a stage. Actually, ma- a clown for a second. Yeah, he actually was a clown. Or oh. well, he, he well, like you know the the comedia dell'arte like clown uh, tradition. Uh, he was it. He was Pennywise. Fifty first. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but uh, no. And and he worked one stage manager for a long time, and they developed a relationship, and then brought kind of brought her, you know, into a different uh, strata. That like, oh, she was just a a consultant that helped make his vision like kind of happening. And I feel like that's what you're at now. You know, you're like you're making everyone's vision actually happen. Yeah, to me, yeah. That, that's that's game design. It's just a different type of game design. So I see like you know the writers are game designers, just narrative designers, and then. The concept creator is a game designer, and then the, the, impl- the what we'd see as developer to me that's game design. It's just the difference to me. The big difference to me is a game designer. My role isn't really spreadsheet driven. Like I don't need to understand the math. I just need to understand the interactions. Mm-hmm. And then the implementer needs to know how do all those details actually work and remain intact throughout the entire play experience. Yeah, there's a lot of different. Uh, it, it's just the different uh, mental ways that you approach the process. Yeah. You know, there's there's the designer that's trying to throw everything on paper and trying to get this really cohesive plan. And then the developer comes in and says, "All right, well, we need to actually make sure this is understandable. That we we keep the the core intent." But also make sure that uh, everyone's going to be able to have fun when we're not sitting here over their shoulders telling them how it's actually supposed to work. Exactly. Neat. It's crazy. Yeah. So we we took some liberties and changed a few things from the original House on the Hill yeah. version. Because why not? Yeah. We got an opportunity here. Do you want to talk about what some of those sure. things that we did? Uh, yeah. So, so some of the uh, initial discussions that we had uh, with the uh, initial design team was, you know, with uh, House on the Hill, you've got three floors of the house. How do we translate that for a city? Uh, but the idea of three different areas, different locations being important in the game uh, really led us to the idea of having uh, building, street, and catacombs. And where while they're not specific levels, they're two different levels, but uh, within the building, within the, uh, the city level, uh, you can either find buildings or streets, depending on which door you go through. So there's a different tile stack. Uh, and, you know, for some 
some haunts, for some events, for some uh, uh, ability powers. The, where you are matters, uh, and and that was how that we how we sort of reinforce the idea of being in the city. Yeah. You know, whether you're in the building, the buildings are a little bit safer. There's not as many omens. There's more items. Uh, the city tiles are uh, are going to have more events coming out, and then down in the catacombs, there's a lot more omens. It's really creepy. Uh, in and terms it's of really hard to move around down there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, but to there's get out of the catacombs <laughs> yes. is very difficult. There's a there's a, uh, just a few changes. I mean, it's still it's yeah. still betrayal at its heart. It's still and that was one of the mantras we had from early design is at its heart this is a betrayal game. Yeah, yeah. we didn't want to hide the fact that this is. It's called Betrayal At for a reason. Yeah. But for those of you that are familiar with Betrayal at House on the Hill, on page three, we've got a, a half-page blowout that's just, yeah. if you're familiar with the game, this is what you need to know. These are the tweaks, and just go. Yeah. Everything else is, you're going to understand it. Was that, that always there, or was that something that, that you put in okay. after Mike's initial design? That was a, that was a late ad from development. So there yeah. were a lot of things that uh, playtesting really, really helps. You know, you throw a lot of people that, some people that are familiar with the base game, some people that aren't, and you just watch them. And we had, uh, we had multiple playtest sessions each week. I had three to four tables running at each session, and I was just watching. So in not only introducing the game to the initial round of playtesters, but watching them introduce newer players into their playtest sessions mm-hmm. later uh, really helped me solidify what players out in the wild are going to need. Uh, so from that came the, uh, you know, are you familiar with the game? Here's what you need to know. Uh, and also the player aid cards, which is something that I really, really wanted to add. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that uh, I always do when I'm teaching the game is I always flip to, I think it's page eight in the original game. Here's the things you can do on your turn. And, oh, now you're the traitor. So here's here's the other stuff that you can do. Now we've got it on a player aid card that everyone gets. And it also doubles as uh, how you figure out who first player is. That's smart. Yeah. And one of the Thank you. <coughs> my favorite changes is how the haunt roll is done. Oh, yeah, the haunt roll. I could never remember it otherwise in Did the House on the Hill version. <laughs> so one of the one of the problems and er, problems with Betrayal, Betrayal is a very randomized game, and sometimes crazy shit happens. Uh-oh. It's all right. Oh, oh, we're allowed to swear? Yeah. Oh, Bring on. it on. You right. are. I Only just, you I are. Say, I just want to say, of the four of us, I did not imagine you were the one who's going to break the square barrier. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's right? Wow. That's like really, wow. Okay. I'm just bending way out of my alignment. Today. Yeah. You're just changing all kinds of different things. <laughs> Perceptions are yep. different. Yeah. I'm a little freaked out. But this, I'm telling you, this development broke him. He's a different person He's a different now. Guy, He's, yeah. the <laughs> He's, the He's the traitor. He's the traitor. He's always the traitor. The look in your eyes. Like, you know, He's got since, a potty mouth. Ever since he came back from the trail at Baldur's Gate, he's <laughs> Baldur's a different man. Baldur's Gate changes a man. <laughs> so, uh, so one of the one of the challenges with base betrayal is when you step into the first room and it's an omen room and you roll your dice and you roll a zero and you trigger the haunt in the first room, and it and it really stretches the bounds of what the game can do because everyone's all together and if it's kill one person, everyone can gang on them, gang up on them really quickly. No one has equipment, so that's something that I really wanted to try and fix in this version. Uh, and you know, I I put my heads together with some really great designers and we came up with an idea. Uh, that instead of rolling six dice and rolling under the number of omens, you roll dice equal to the number of omens. So for the and you need to roll a six. So for the first two omens, you're only rolling two dice and there's only two pips per die. So you're actually never, ever, ever going to trigger the haunt on Can the first two omen rooms. The first time you'll be able to do it is once there's three omens on the board. Yeah. And not only did that allow us to stretch out when the omen would first trigger, it also, when we did the calculations, it made sure that the haunt was going to trigger really in the sweet spot that we really wanted, which is around like the 45-minute, half-an-hour uh, route. So you're going to get to just the right amount of gameplay before that haunt triggers. You're still going to have games where, you know, no matter 
what you just can't roll the haunt. Yeah. Uh, but well, uh, the it becomes way where it happens as soon as you as soon as you hit that threshold. Right. Yeah. Right. But it, and then we've got three omen rooms, and there's only 13, 18, 13 in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so more than likely you've you've spread out a little bit at that point. So it, whenever when we were seeing during playtesting, whenever it was hitting on the third room, it was still the betrayal experience that we wanted. We never had a game where it was just like, oh, that was awful. Makes sense. So yeah. what I think also is interesting is that being that this is Betrayal House on the Hills, you know somebody, you're going to split up and probably kill each other. That's how it is. D&D is not like that mm. typically. So I remember for like one hot second, somebody who shall remain nameless was questioning that the two, like, uh, how's I, this going to work? <laughs> D&D players are used to being together and working together and cooperating. And I thought... One of the most interesting parts about the playtest is that they were mostly, they were D&D players who also were very familiar with House on the Hill. And every single one of them went, split up. Yep. Everybody just ran off in different directions. And nobody cared about killing each other. There was not one bit of, like, sentimental, I'm sorry you were a good ranger, but <laughs> no, <laughs> no. They totally just, like, it was like, we're in Baldur's Gate, man. Yeah, that was, bad, bad place. That was one of the <laughs> that was one of the things we got out of the early playtests. Not only that, no one had a problem turning on their uh, their nope. former party members, uh, but also people were enjoying this as a quick hour long D and D session. Yeah, like that was one of the first fe- play playtest feedbacks that we'd never really thought of, or maybe you did, but uh, I never looked at it as like a quick D and D session. I was just like, hey, this is a board game. It's a D and D board game. But nope. no, it's it's a great introduction to some of the the terminology, to some of the play styles of D and D. Uh, in 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 an hour format, and it, yeah. it's really cool. That is what one of the th- I, I heard that feedback a lot. That this is what we're gonna do in between our games, or this is what we're gonna do when two people cancel at the last minute and we mm-hmm. don't have enough people to play D and D, or the DM's not there. They can play this game. And also, you touched on something important. It is a good intro to D and D to people who are like, mm, I don't know if I really want to get into the D and D and like create a character. I'm too you know, like I don't have time for a, a whole campaign. But they're curious. This is like this is the perfect intro. It's still like it's a fun board game. Because one of the other things that we did with this game too is rather than have them feel like disparate people that are in a haunted house together, like you know, like a five-year-old uh, kid and an, an <laughs> old Why? is your mother? Scientist, right? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you them out in here? that house? But uh, these guys <laughs> on the hill. <laughs> these characters are adventurers, and we wanted them to feel that way. And so each character has a uh, an ability that's synonymous with yeah. either their race that's or really their class. Cool. I was going to ask Mike because Mike, did you did you create a lot of those those powers, didn't, or do you no, just steal them? Chris. That was all Chris. Yeah, the idea was we just we knew we wanted them to be very. Um, I think I, I gave some feedback on the complexity level mm-hmm. and some of the nature of it. But, yeah, that was something which we knew, like... And it was also one of those things where, like, I didn't try to do it because I knew until we started playing the game, we really wouldn't know what, the, what would be useful. Right. So it's just, it, that's a great example of the difference in the design roles where you really had to see people playing the game before you had any sense of what would be very useful. Because the haunts are so diverse, you can't really predict what those haunts yeah. are going to be. So you want stuff that's going to be useful across as many haunts as possible. Yeah, these were these were abilities that we actually didn't design until probably the third, fourth week of playtesting. And then we started throwing them out and people were like, yes, this is perfect. Yeah. yeah. But so the ones, uh, just so people know, they're like little uh, abilities that are iconic for the class that you your character is. Yeah, you want to, for example, yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead, go ahead. it's a way to make you feel like your character. So, for example, Gretchen is my favorite. Yeah, you want me to do Gretchen? All right, She's Gretchen Titchwillow, who is the halfling druid. You can't see anything, but that's okay. Uh, can wild shape once per game during your turn. You can choose one wild shape, and you can wild shape into either a badger, a mouse, an owl, or a tortoise. And each of those. Turtle? 
A <gasps> turtle? Oh, there we go. oh wow. <laughs> Half-Life 3 confirmed. For sure. Right? <laughs> uh, but each of those have uh, stat boosts that you would understand. Like the turtle's going to, the tortoise is going to make you slower, but it's also going to make you uh, a little bit more sane because, you know, they're turtles. Turtles are oh, saying turtles, turtles. Yeah. But the badger. The badger. And yeah, Shelly, and her greatest moment in the game was when she had the berserker axe and wild shaped into the badger and murdered everyone. Everyone. Nice. Well played. Way to go, traitor. Roadkill. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to remember this game forever. My favorite. That's when I was like, we're just going to print a million of these. Yeah. <laughs> just like, ran right up to sales. You're like, just, just, just I don't print. care if they're going to sell them. We're printing them all. <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. Not a million. Two million. Two million. <laughs> That's what needs to happen. <laughs> the ticker is going up. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I played a, a, a bunch of games, but like one of my favorite was the wizard because you get to do the magic missile. Yeah. It's just like an always attack. You can fight one square away, which is very important for a lot of the haunts. So that, you know, there are a lot of big bads in there that if you, they can attack you in melee when you're right next to each other. But a little bit of a ranged attack uh, really helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We're using sanity. Yep. It's good yep. stuff. So there's 12 characters total. Each of those cards is double-sided. Yeah. Are there miniatures for each one? There are miniatures. There are six beautifully painted miniatures, plastic minis. Did Mike paint them? Each he one? painted each <laughs> oh, and every one of them. That's why I was so busy this past year. <laughs> yeah, that's why he doesn't remember he has a board game releasing in a few weeks. It's like I had to get each one of these details. Why did I choose the half little? So many halflings. So if you are a fan of Baldur's Gate in general, there's lots of little details in here that you'll appreciate as a fan. There yes. are locations that are from Baldur's Gate, and the lore is accurate. Yep. Yes, because cool. Matt went through them. Matt Cernet, Lori should know. I sent him the the tile information laid in the game, and he's like, "Wait, what? No, what are you that's doing?" That's not you the Elf Song Tavern. No, that's not the Elf Song Tavern. And also, Sorcerer Sundries should be circular, not square. This architecture is not what it looks like in Baldur's Gate. Also, the Rose Portal is outside. Did you know that? Yeah, like, we no. yeah we totally <laughs> did. No, I didn't know that at all. What What do you mean I have to add an extra street tile? What are you doing to me, Matt? What do you mean we have to have blue drift globes the size of grapefruits? Or stuff behind the tavern. The Sorcerer Sundries is, is kind of circular. Well, it is now. Yeah. It's we got curved it. edges. Yeah, it's got curved edges. It's we got couldn't, curved we couldn't edges. Curve it's a square the tile. tile, okay? How do you do that? You work, you work with the train. <laughs> Make it work, Shelly. <laughs> <Yeah>. I don't <laughs> want to hear excuses. Suspension of disbelief, okay? <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, yeah, right? There's the rose portal. Yeah. Very neat. Very Beautiful. good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Yeah, it's there's there's a lot of overt notes to Baldur's Gate, the the uh, beloved ranger statues yeah. one. And then there's uh, a lot of eyes. a lot of hidden uh, yeah, Easter eggs like go for the eyes. Boo. You think it's gonna be boo and it's all about a raven coming to attack you and yep. then suddenly the people. ball of fur flies across as I ruin the mic and everything. <laughs> <laughs> that was a ball of fur that is exactly <laughs> It's Shelly's badger, badger form. She's the best. You would think Honey I badger. would always go for the wizard. Honey badger, don't I do not. No, you don't? I always go for Gretchen. Really? Yep. Because yeah. of th- that, did you have that experience early, and mm-hmm. then you wanted to do it, and then yeah. you're like, I'm always going to be Gretchen. I'm always going to be a badger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just always going to be a badger. Like, I wild shape immediately. Badger. <laughs> yep. And then I, I just it. search out that berserker axe. That's... The Berserker Axe is awesome. Yeah, you want to talk about doing a lot of work. Uh, Mike actually designed, uh, I believe it was every single every card, card in the game uh, on a flight to uh, Korea. To Seoul, yeah. yeah. So we should probably have like a the Korean Air logo somewhere, like brought to you by <laughs> Korean Air. By, so brought, and friends. I got, yeah. I got an email. He's like, friends. yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I got a really long flight and uh, I'm going to look at some of these cards. And like 16 hours later, I got an email. I'm real tired, but here you go. They were bringing yeah. you uh, white wine and whatever no, you needed was, to keep it fueled, actually, right? 
like uh, there's like an argument to be made that your efficiency, like on a business class flight in Korean Air from Seattle to Seoul, is like that's perfect. Like so, it's it's twelve hour flight. And so what happened originally was I, I had to go to Seoul for work. And um, originally I had booked a, uh, a seat in regular, you know, steerage class, whatever it's called. Steerage? <laughs> what are we on the Titanic? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, that's what it feels like sometimes. And then someone all going on the trip sent me their itinerary. And it's like, wait, this person booked a business class flight. So I called our travel service. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a 12-hour flight. You have to fly business class. What? When you go to Hasbro policy. So I'm like... Oh yeah. So the uh, Korean I Air. The story to be like, don't you know who I am? Steerage. I'm Mike Merrill's. <laughs> <laughs> Every story that like increases like your personal dignity starts with you yelling, "Don't you know who I am?" Right? I mean, like, of course, right? No. So Korean Air is very awesome because the business uh, fl- uh, class is like you get your own little cubicle, oh. where like with your own TV and like like food and everything, multiple meals, like your bed transforms. I'm sorry, your seat transforms into a bed. I would get no work done. Well, there's no internet, though. That's the one drawback. In Korea Air, what they say is, in Korea, people are so used to having high-speed wireless internet that they can't give... This is their their reasoning. I don't know if it's true or not, but they say they can't give the level of service people expect, so they just don't give it. So, which means no distractions, just me and my iPad Mm. with these files loaded up on it. And how many cards are in this game? Oh, boy. Four million seven hundred and twenty-two thousand. Because thirteen omens, twenty-two items, and something like sixty-something events. events. Because I designed every single card in that twelve-hour flight, and we didn't even have to. It wasn't like we were like, "Ooh, was he drunk on this flight? What are you thinking?" (laughs) No, I didn't. I was like, "No, they were good. They were just like, okay, we're using this. I want to say uh, probably seventy percent of them were." With a minor editing tweak, exactly what you designed. Awesome. Well, and it was weird because I, I remember weird because the schedule was really tight and my my, my year has been pretty busy. I I literally was like, that twelve hour flight, that's perfect. No internet. I will do all the work. Like, and I think that was the last thing I had to do before I could push everything over to you. Mm-hmm. The um, that was it. So yeah, I just settled in the flight. Had my uh, bibimbap and just wrote. That's like the best like like yeah. deadline thing too. Yeah. Be like, I have twelve hours. I'm going to start in point B. I have a small cubicle in which people will give me all the amenities that I need in yeah. order to survive over that time. Yeah, I'm feeling like and Nathan like, needs to budget for like when we have like tight deadlines. Just yeah. put us on yeah. long flights. Just there you go, Perkins. It's just like a little capsule. Back and forth. Little work capsule. You're going to Antarctica yeah, or wherever. No, you can pick the destination 12 hours from here. Yeah, you just, you're you not pl- getting off the plane. So you're just coming back. You want you want betrayal of Aldersky too? Just fly me to Hawaii. All right. It's no, all good. You have to go back Hawaii's and forth not far enough. Times. No, it's not, it's not far, far enough. But things, I, I think Korea Australia. is the perfect flight because Korean air is super nice. Like you don't have internet but everything else is awesome. The food, Korean food is amazing. Right, and so you get really good food, and then the the airport. Um, I forget the name of the airport in Seoul that I flew into, but there's a giant shopping mall in there. Oh so yeah, so it's like you like get off, you stretch, yeah. So you just and you go and you do. It's all duty free. I bought some toys for my daughter and stuff, and like you did. And then you and get there's right a, back on a plane. There's a Dunkin' Donuts. What? So it's like, oh yeah, I get a coffee and a donut, <laughs> and then just hop back oh on gosh, your flight back. They're even out there. Yeah. Not so just like, in Providence at Hascon, and, you actually got yeah, it in Seoul. Too. In Seoul, and there's a, there's a hotel like that's directly in the airport. So you just get off your flight, check in at the hotel, sleep, then h- go out, get some Dunkins, and head back. And back Another twelve hour like Maybe. you know. You'd be so productive. Dungeons and Dragons Nathan, runs on Dunkin. We, <laughs> we want to go on an airplane. Yeah, just business, just business class <laughs> round <laughs> trip to Seoul, Nathan, right? Put me on a plane. <laughs> Uh, by the way, uh, uh, Badger Noble is now uh, trending on on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. nice. Can we make a um, the little I feel like of a badger need, with an axe. I feel like yeah, you need a berserker axe. Yeah, yeah. 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 for tell, the for tell, the subscriber. Tell Emmy. Yeah, yeah, she'll make it. 
She would actually love to do that. Yeah, she would. Speaking oh of God. Emmy, she'd be, oh, yeah. she did the graphic design. Not to be confused with the game design. The graphics. The graphics. Well, if not more important. Okay, not, not the whole game. Thanks for pointing that out. That was Scott Okumara. Scott and his uh, Toshiko? Toshiko. Yes. Um, Scott has done every tile on every betrayal game ever. So we're just happy that we still know him. I like that it stays consistent then, too. Like, Mm -hmm. it feels like it's part of the same, like, ecosystem that that, that, uh, House on the Hill and Windows Walk were. Yeah, I want to see see the uh, homebrew uh, mash the games together rules. I know. I'm going to try it. Uh, Why are they homebrew? They can be actual official Mike Merle's rules. It's your first episode. Yeah. You know, yeah. at the end of the game. Though. Oh, that's a great for for Mike Merle's happy fun hour. I was going to say earlier that player, yeah. like the house on the hill characters would last three and a half minutes in Baldur's Gate. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> earlier that your, uh, your your happy hour sounds a lot like my uh, game design interview. So uh, when uh, when I was interviewing with uh, Peter Lee and Rodney Thompson, they uh, brought me in and we talked for a while. And uh, at some point, they're like, "All right, we're going to go to lunch." And they pulled up a box and they're like, "Here's a bunch of pieces. When we come back." We want to see game design. Wait, did they give you food or are you like part no, of No, they didn't give me they gave me a soda. They gave me a like, soda. No, can I go get you so a soda? Like, no food. Yeah, no at food. lunch meeting. That would be so Yeah, they're like we'll be back in an hour. Wow. So as people don't know, I have a few <laughs> rules I live by and one of them is if you have to work up from 12 to 1, if you have to work, you get fed. All right. And yeah. you get your choice of either Sandwiches from Panera, preferably in a box. Right. A box lunch is the best lunch with a cookie and the chips yeah. and everything. Yep. Or you get Greek food. Oh yeah. Always the Greek food. Or no. pizza's okay too. It's a good big group. What do you mean no? We do too much Greek food. I'm no, just gonna. Th- I'm putting so that good. out there now. What? Well, for those of people Look, who have to talk in a small oh room God. with oh, people, yeah, it's bad. You're lucky because there was some Greek food on the second floor table, and I almost got it. But I was Dude, like, oh no, I, don't, I can't eat like 50 percent of that so food. You forgot the codes. You didn't bring the other thing you said you're gonna bring, <laughs> and now you're harsh on Greek are we food. I love Greek food. I love it. Are we even recording? Also, in the future, this is not even real. These guys aren't even here. I don't even know what's happening. Yeah, I'm gonna book them all over lunch now. Thai, yeah. Thai food. I made her, and I ordered. Remember, you almost had me, and you're yeah. like, "Oh, Mike, you worked a meeting from twelve to one. You forgot to order lunch, Mike." It was like eleven thirty-seven. We'll see, Shelly. We'll see. Then, oh look, who showed up with lunch? This guy. But meanwhile, he's like starting wars with me on Twitter for. A meeting I didn't have food for that wasn't at lunch. It was like at three o'clock, and yeah. he's like, "Oh, Shelley doesn't give me food for my lunch meeting." It's rah, true. Rah. Yeah. Well, I just, it was a warning shot. I'm Mike Mayor. <laughs> I mean, and you, and you you got suckered into it. You were like it immediately. Was a yeah, you totally shot. came at me. It's how you beef with people. You beef with someone. I am a badger with a berserker axe. <laughs> well, I'm a dude. Who, <laughs> take you down. I'm a dude who wants lunch when it's lunchtime. I will take my hangry, like, who? I haven't been given lunch against your berserker axe. Hangry Mike Merles versus Gretchen the Badger with a Berserker axe. Mm, I like I my odds. I like to see I'll this. I like to see this happen. I mean, I am a man who likes to eat. <laughs> so am I. I'm a man I don't expect people who to will fight me. for I your honor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what's some, some detail about this uh, uh, game that we haven't talked about that people uh, will be really excited about uh, as you know we try to I wrap realized? this up? We haven't really... There might be people who are not familiar with Betrayal at House on the Hill. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that about 40 <laughs> minutes like, into this interview so as well. We probably so, should have with them. Mike, why don't you give us the quick, like, what is b- the what Betrayal is at House on the Hill? Okay, so and we'll splice it in later. <laughs> yeah. We'll splice <laughs> we'll it in later. Brian's <laughs> we'll <fix it> <laughs> like, no, we're not. So, <laughs> uh... So if you have never played any of the games in the series, um, the concept is you and your companions have gathered at the Elfsong Tavern in Baldur's Gate. It's a dark and misty night, and you set out on the streets in search of adventure. Your your pockets are empty, but you have a lot of ambition to fill them. 
And as you explore town, you just sort of wandering around, breaking the buildings. You are you play sca- like characters who are kind of like scoundrels. Like you're not playing like, you know, super. I think Gretchen would take offense at that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> she is. She did murder a bunch of people with a berserker axe. I don't know how much. Mind uh, flare made me do it. A mind flare made you do it. That's what everyone <laughs> says. Mind flare defense. <laughs> So as you explore, um, you will eventually uncover a sinister event that's occurring in Baldur's Gate. Now, this is the the, the trick, though, is about 20% of the time, I think, would be fair to say, it turns out it's a threat that all of you have to gang up together to face. Yes, that is a very important point. But about 80% of the time, it turns out that one of your near-do-well companions is plotting against you or mm. plotting against you on behalf of some other entity. And mm. so and it's, it's always the person with the... Bitri- with the uh, <laughs> The Berserker Axe. Berserker Axe, yeah. <laughs> this makes sense. It's a lot of And times. so, yeah, and so then you either have to overcome the challenge to get, like a dragon might suddenly swoop down on the city and start attacking, or maybe a mind flayer is lurking somewhere and reaches out and seizes control of one of your companions. Claws. Yeah, they might scuttle from the shadows to overwhelm you. So, yeah, and we also know against the backdrop against this, the reason why these, these sort of near duels are in the city is that Ball has once again cast his long Ball. and murderous shadow over the city. The hey. dead three walk again. Ball, Merkel, and Bane have returned to plague the Forgotten the Realms. The Dead Three? The Dead Three. The dead three. three gods. You never caught that Easter egg, did you? Yeah. Three mortals who rose to godhood and then fell and died, and now they're back. And maybe they've learned a few lessons in their fall back back during the uh, the Avatar trilogy. Well, it's good that this is the only game that's going to touch on this. I know, right? It's from now it's, on. Yeah, we will never, I mean, I can assure you, Bane, Ball, and Merkel will never again meddle Bane, in the Ball, affairs. Bane, Ball, Merkel. Those were too close to the tip of your tongue, uh, Mr. Merles. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. But I'm going to dispel all uh, nope. rumors to the contrary. I do not think I am the second coming of, of, of Ball. He has your hair. I, d- I disagree. The trick is my hair is better. Hair. My hair is way like more gray Gino? straight streaked in it than that. <laughs> yeah, well, he maybe he just though. had his roots touched that's up. Only, that's only the one of the many guises that Ball can take. He is uh, very tricky. He's my the eyes are of the three. or only red like that at uh, uh, fish concerts. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Bing bong. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it true, though, this is the first time Ball has been depicted in his human form? In this form, yeah. In this form. Yeah. In the Greg Tito form. In the Greg Tito, yeah, the Greg Tito form. <laughs> Yeah, he is, he is, he's tricky. He, the entire point of Ball is he's the, the lord of murder and assassinations, and so you don't really know if you're going to be dealing with him until it's too late. That's his entire thing. You don't know it's Ball until it's too late. Until you're already until, dead. Yeah, until murdered. Bane has left, let him off the leash to take out one of the, the enemies of the Dead Three. Oh, it's Ball! <laughs> <laughs> I've been killing you softly this whole time. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome, guys. I can't wait till this comes out on October 6th. People are going to really dig it. Uh, I hope they uh, people plan. You will have endless, endless fun with this game. Yeah. Yes. Replayability, because the city's going to look different every time you play it. Yeah. The cards you draw are going to be different. The haunts are going to be different. 50 haunts? You have so much. There's so much. brand new haunts. Brand new. There's 12 different characters to play with, so your, you know, your group can, of yes. four people can play many different permutations. Yes. Yep. Three of you, six of you. It's good stuff. Chris Dupuy made sure any number of you will have fun on any one of those haunts. That's a, that's a guarantee. And I like uh, someone said this in the chat uh, uh, using this as a like uh, uh, adventure zero in a D&D campaign. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. So you're like, oh, let's get people into it. And then all of a sudden you're off and running into like a full on blown campaign. You're going to love it. I love it. You're going to love it. Pick right. it up your friendly local gaming store. That's true. Yeah. October 6th. October 6th. Getting the event going. Just in time for Halloween. It's almost like we planned it. And there is a Friday the 13th in October. <gasps> what? what? 
Wow. I feel like we're doing something. There. I know. You guys, you guys thought about this that, all ahead of time. fundraiser event. Oh, yeah. In Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, all right. So that's amazing. I can't wait to see it. So uh, anything else we want to close on before we uh, we do our little outro here, Shelly? You, you guys have not talked about how great I am to work with. Oh, I don't yeah, remember. No. I thought that was kind of a whole point. I'm sorry. Now it's awkward. Uh, <laughs> I don't like I don't, I don't like how we're framing this conversation. No, I, okay. You I will tell you, when we announced this mm-hmm. at the stream of Annihilation, yeah. my parents watched. I was like, just tune in. You can sell me on TV. And they were like, okay. Afterwards, my mom goes, I don't know what you were talking about, but you sure seemed excited. (laughs) (laughs) And she goes, I really liked that guy you were with, though. He was really good. I think it wasn't you. <laughs> See, it's it's funny yeah. when your parents because my 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 only real interaction between my mom and my professional life, um, I was visiting my parents back in New Hampshire, and there's a the local game store. They had a I think I called them ahead. They had there was some board game that just came out. I think it was like um, back when Dominion first came out. They had a copy of it. It was hard to get. So I'm like, oh, on the way to the airport, let's can we stop at this game store? You know, they're driving me back and up there to visit for a few days. And I just the board game. I asked them to set it aside or something like that. So we're in line, and I wrote you know the guy rings up. And he's like, oh, Mike Merrill. So I think I paid with my credit card. He's like, oh, and like, you know, we knew because I think the guy knew I worked on D&E. And my mom says, yeah, my son invented Dungeons and Dragons. Oh. Like she pipes that up. And I'm like, well, I didn't invent Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mom. Oh, that's then, so cute. But it was, yeah, she's like, she's she so probably proud. tells all her friends. Yeah, she everybody at D&E. Yeah. Yeah. Back in New Hampshire, that's right. Everyone thinks. Good on you. My mom thinks that I design games. You do, you do. In a way, you do. You provide you provide a lot of guidance for yeah. the direction you wanted this game to go. Without you. There is no game. Yeah, exactly. we had. Uh, You're the executive nice. oh, producer. Oh, that's good. This is good. Yeah. You guys are hitting all the right notes. <laughs> we were. I got my notes. It's right here. Honestly, yeah. though, there was only one bit of contention between Chris and I. It's true. When I actually tried to insert myself as a game designer, uh, and that was with those catacombs. So uh, catacombs. Catacombs. Late, 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 late in the design. So late that I had like heart palpitations as to how late we were still discussing this. Uh, we, uh, I decided that it was uh, it was disadvantageous enough to go into the catacombs that people weren't doing it. And I was freaking out. And I'm like, all right, we got to fix this. I got to fix. Uh, I walked over to Shelly's desk. I, I didn't even like plan a discussion around it. I was like, Shelly, we got to do this. Uh, we got to do it now. We can't even have a discussion about it. And she just looks at me and goes, no, no, what's wrong with you? No. I'm like, well, no, it's really. And I started laying it out. And she's like, all right, well, just it's, back and forth. It, back and forth. We, we were yelling at each other for like an hour about it. And finally, she's like, all right, we can do it. But, but. I want to make using the stairs more difficult. There has to be a cost. Yeah. And I was like, oh. I all right. Again. You know what? That's <laughs> that's kind of perfect. So yes, Shelly uh, Shelly definitely has well should have design credit in here. Sorry, mm-hmm. I think we missed that. Whatever. But you've talked about it enough yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> I think people <laughs> basically think it it's your, your game. Your Twitter bio. I do. I yeah. refer to it as your game it at this point. Game. <laughs> yeah, it's my yeah. baby. Um, you no. have birthed it. <laughs> into of. the world. I mean, You're like the executive producer. There were times producer. when I felt yeah. like that. Yeah. Executive producer. Exactly. Like Lots like of growing pains. Nine yeah. months of growing pains on this one. It was nine months. No, it was yeah, that much longer than that. Was it? It was more like an elephant gestation period. Ah, all right. Thank you. Yes. I, I totally understand that. <laughs> but I, I would from my zoological knowledge. <laughs> would you definitely say that we learned our lesson? We should never try to design a game in about a year. No. We would never try <laughs> doing that again. Chris learned that lesson. <laughs> Did you learn Chris your le- lesson? Learn that lesson hard. I don't know. I don't well, think my I mom did. said that you and I should do more things together. <laughs> Ask me in a year if I've learned that lesson. <laughs> yeah, right. 
I think I could ask you <laughs> right fun. now. I know way too many and secrets for that to be. Say, a, I have not learned. Mike said, like, yeah, yeah, no, we list. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem with working here is people are like, do you want to do this thing? I'm like, yeah, because I want to play it. And then they're like, but you don't have much time. I'm like, I'll make time. <laughs> Book me a flight to Seoul. <laughs> we got it. Seriously, That's the way to do it now. You're about to get back on an airplane. <laughs> People always feel bad for when they're like, oh, poor Shelly on Avalon Hill. She doesn't really have a team. And I'm like, you guys, I have the biggest team. Steven's <laughs> listening. Don't tell anyone. Nobody knows pull from this, everywhere. But it's the like, team. do you like board games? <laughs> Do you like Avalon Hill? We Do all play games down <laughs> here. <laughs> Don't tell your boss. You know the right the yeah. right things to dangle in front of people's uh, it's, like uh, you're the yeah. it's like you're the godfather. Like, I'm going to make you an offer. That's what Shauna said. She's like, yeah. I hate you. It's like you make us do things it's and like we don't even know how. It's like the shadow company that operates within like you're in the, yeah. you're in the middle of it and you're like, damn it, she did it she again. Did it. Maybe oh, I'm happening. Just when I thought I was out, you pull me back in. I was gonna say the brunette, it fits. Maybe it fits. I'm. You just um, put the hair up and then you're good to go. Put yeah. my hair up. Will yeah. you tease my hair? Sure. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Uh, well, we do need to wrap this up, guys. Bye. I could talk pretty much like four or five more hours about Betrayal well, at Baldur's Gate. So let's make it happen. Let's do that. We'll book it. We, we can clear all the mics. We can just play. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's do play. it. I haven't we'll played a couple of months. Actually, tomorrow, well, for those of you who are watching, watching live, yeah. yes, for tomorrow, the, what is this, the September 19th. 2 to 3 p.m. 2, 2 to 3 p.m. Tune in to Dragon Plus. That's correct. Yeah. Dragon Plus, because we're back again, and we are going to play. We're going to play a little segment with um, another person who was incredibly valuable on this project, Adam Lee. Yeah. yeah. And the Mikester is coming back. Yeah. And Emmy is coming. Nice. You yep. get to see her, her design yep. in work. Yep. So two things. One, Adam wrote the most haunts for this. He did, a Little actually. Easter egg. And uh, we didn't actually, uh, we touched on it a little bit, but uh, seriously, Emmy made this game beautiful. She, she really did. did. We talked about Scott and Tashida doing the, yep. uh, the tile artwork, but uh, the graphic design and the layout of the books and everything, uh, the tokens, uh, Emmy was absolutely integral yep. in making this thing yep. gorgeous. And Shauna did commission the cover and yep. made Ball who he is today. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You, Greg. Tito. I had a stand for a long time. I was like, why do I have to wear? What are these red contacts for? I don't understand. Why do I need my shirt on? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you, guys. Uh, uh, this has been amazing. It's coming out uh, October 6th. Um, if people want to get in touch with you guys and ask you guys any questions about uh, Betrayal of Baldur's Gate, how could they, how could they do that? Uh, on the Twitters, perhaps? Yeah, Twitter. Yeah. I'm on Twitter at GameGuruChris. I'm Mike Merles, all one word on Twitter. And Shelly, I know people like to ask you lots of questions. I am Shelly Moo. I am at Greg Tito. What's the? Well, you want to do some uh, uh, Avalon Hill pimping here too? Yes, you can follow Avalon Hill on Twitter. Avalon Hill two, the number two. Also, check out Avalon Hill's Facebook page because we've started our Tavern Talk series, and some of the contributors are writing these amazing blog posts about their experience. Adam Lee just wrote one called Hello, Priscilla. Oh, I love that. Right? Which is about one of my favorite haunts. And he talks about the origin and how he was inspired by... He's... He's weird. (laughs) Well, he handed it over. I'm like, wait, this is about... Eye gouging, he's like so uh, nice. He's just the nicest like, person. Yeah, man, it's totally cool. I gotta go to yoga. I thought of it like while I was meditating <laughs> <laughs> and gouging my own eyes. Out. <laughs> my eyes out. <laughs> so cool. Oh, that's no, he's a, he was very, very good stuff. That's, a, that's on the Facebook channel, uh, Facebook channel, yeah, Facebook Avalon page, Facebook Avalon Hill Facebook. Page. Page. Yes. No, no, Grandpa, it's okay. Go check that. Do you <laughs> get that on your computers, or do they mail it to you? <laughs> <laughs> 
if you guys have any questions about Dungeons and Dragons, you can always go to dungeonsanddragons.com and of course uh, follow us at wizards underscore DND. Uh, for those of you who are listening to this in podcast form, we record these live on Mondays at uh, starting at 2 p.m. Pacific time. That's on uh, twitch.tv slash DND. We have lots of other great stuff going on uh, all week long, including, you know, Mike Show, which we talked about, uh, live play uh, sessions uh, with uh, this game, as well as many other uh, stories going forward, basically starting our next season uh, right about now when you start start listening to it. So there's lots of fun stuff. I suggest you uh, check that out. It's good stuff. All right, I think that's it. I think we're going to be down here. Thank you, guys. Thanks Thanks for having us, guys. You guys rocked it all the way out. Yeah. Boom shakalaka. <laughs> 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 <laughs>